0: Hi, and welcome to The Stage Door Show. Tonight's episode, in part, discusses the topic of body image and eating disorders. Listener discretion is advised. The Stage Door Show. Celebrating the independent artist. With your host, Dave Hondell. Hi everyone, welcome to The Stage Door Show. Tonight, I have an acclaimed actress, producer, director, writer, musician, and activist that you've seen on some of the most iconic shows on television, and she's been on hundreds of films, shows, and stages all over her amazing career, and I was so lucky to have her on my show tonight, so please welcome Miss Lynn Chen. Thank you so much for joining us, Lynn.
1: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Well, we are too, and I've uh, been looking forward to this, and I know you had some weather this week, so I'm glad we got past that um but you know i just wanted to kind of start out because i know besides doing you know the the film work and the tv work uh you're also a writer and you you have some really i was on your website and you have some really really nice like newsletters and things that people can go to uh to be inspired and and one of the things that really really hit me was the actor's diet uh because i know like in in hollywood i know it's a you have a, a monthly podcast an audio podcast about this but um it's about food and body image and i know that we you know we've talked a lot about this on my shows um in the past where you know some young we have a lot of young listeners that that are that are uh, you know checking out our show and they might be you know just out of high school or college and you know getting into hollywood i know that their body image is a big deal and i know that you know uh you, you know what you eat and so forth is a, is a big deal as well if you're going to be an actor or a singer anybody in the in the public eye but you know, talk about that you know it, it, has that kind of evolved over the years where you know back in the day you know you had to be a certain body image or body type is that is that improved over the years where you, you know, people aren't um, kind of held to that standard or are we, are we kind of still held to that standard in, in Hollywood?
1: Well, I can only speak from my own experience, which is that of a Gen Xer who grew up during a time when there was, you know, Kate Moss and this very, um, like when I was a teenager, the term heroin chic was popular, um, which is so crazy to think Mm -hmm. about today that that would be a, a phrase that people were embracing, um, And so there was also the the trend was towards low rise jeans and showing your belly and um, looking a certain way, but acting like you um, were one of the guys and you ate a lot. There's something about Mary was a very popular movie back then. So I know I'm dating myself, but at the same time, this was a this was, you know, I grew up. In New Jersey, we were talking about this before you started recording, uh, during the time of metal bands and hair bands and women who were literally just there to be hood ornaments. And so because of this, um, I think that there was a strong message that we just had to accept that looking a certain way was how you worked. and. For sure, when I was just starting out in the industry in my twenties, um, there was a pressure—a definite pressure—that um, was not only coming from the people who were hiring you and helping you get work, uh, a la agents, managers, casting directors, producers, etc., but it was coming from the fans as well. The very first movie I ever did, I played a ballet dancer, and when i lost all the weight for it that's how people saw me people saw me at a much lower weight than i normally was so when i gained the weight back people were shocked people were um not happy about that and these were fans who wanted the fantasy still
0: yeah. of
1: the, of the ballet dancer so when i started the actors diet it was a food blog originally and this was back in 2009 this was before there were Um, there were cameras on phones. So when I stopped to take a photo of what I was eating, people thought I was nuts. Like they really were like, what are you doing? I know, I know. But back in the day, it was not cool to, (laughs) to, to look at your food and photograph it and look at it as something artistic. But for me, I started the blog during a time when things in the industry i mean my my entire career has been a series of ups and downs and lulls and years where i'm working constantly and then years where it's just completely dead and this was one of those times when it was very dead after a very high high and mm-hmm. my my eating disorder which manifested in the form of binge eating which is when you eat a lot of food but you do not um purge it through mm-hmm. um um, through diuretics or exercise or vomiting, sure. but because of because I was um I was so confused about both do I have an eating disorder? Is this an eating disorder? Where you know, like in my in my family, this seems like we do this every Christmas and Thanksgiving. <laughs> you know, like we just eat a lot of food. but I just felt the need to constantly soothe myself. Through food. And I was being told that I was not going to work if I did that. So during this very low time, it was when I was coming to terms with my eating disorder. And I was also at the time trying to get pregnant. And so I was really just coming to terms with myself and my body and wanting to have a sense of like, Not control, because that's what eating disorders are about, but an an acceptance. And so I started the blog because I wanted to not feel ashamed of what I was eating. I didn't want to feel like I was hiding. And so I found it to be a really creative outlet for me, um, where I got to write, I got to photograph, I got to share, I got to have immediate feedback from an audience. And I thought it was going to be career suicide, because you have to remember at the time, there was no social media right blogs were just blogs so like i felt like if i was to say hey i have an issue with food i have an issue with craft service i have an issue mm-hmm. when you have like a lot of food around that people were just not going to hire me and instead what i found it was that it really opened me up to be able to talk to people in a way as in as a human way mm-hmm. instead of just being like Business, business, business. Instead, suddenly we were talking about restaurants and we were talking about recipes. And suddenly I was able to channel that obsession, that very unhealthy obsession with food, into a healthy one. Yeah. And I had the blog for 10 years. I had already been what I consider to be um, recovered uh, for several years already. And it just reached a point where I was like, I. I don't think I need to talk about my journey anymore. I feel like I've been on it, and it's a part of my life, but it's not the part of my life anymore. So i keep the I keep the podcast going purely for two reasons. Number one, because I know it still helps people, right. and number two, because it keeps me in touch with my we. I, I change the format from interviewing people to just talking with my best friend who, um, is a, she's a holistic health counselor. And so, um, it's really a chance for us to catch up once a month because our lives are so busy, but it's also a chance to sort of honor that part of me that will never go away. It's not like you're, you're cured from, from an addiction like that. So, um, so that's that's a huge part of my life, but it also introduced me to this other form of storytelling of sharing my own life. And um, it's why I continue to write and blog and uh, create content, for lack of a better term, um, because I think that there's just so much downtime as a performer and as an artist. And um, there are certainly people who um, like to not share their personal lives and and keep that separate. But for me, I've found that that's something that I really enjoy. And so I like um, I like exploring it. and it's it's a it's a strange thing as I get older because the technology changes, um, the algorithms change, the yeah. attention seeking changes, and my relationship with all of that changes as well. But at the end of the day, it's storytelling it's storytelling in the same way storytelling is with a movie that i sit down and write and it takes you know 3 years for it to finally come to fruition at the end of the day it 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 hits some of the same bells and whistles for me
0: yeah and i think you know it it does help other people as well and i i find that to be to be the case when we talk about serious issues on my show people Will will give me feedback like, hey, that really helped me. Uh, we I was experiencing the same thing, so you just don't know out there who you're helping, and you know I find that to be, you know, the more open we are with our own, you know, um, past and with our own, you know, struggles that we deal with, I think sometimes some some other people think, well, I'm I'm the I thought I was the only one dealing with that, and I'm not, so I think it really does help people, and that was my next question, you know, getting into the, you know, you're a writer, uh, producer, director you know and i know that you know the 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 business has has uh has evolved you know the past decade or so uh where there's more uh females in those roles like the 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 producer roles the director roles and the writers and do you think that that helps tell some of these stories uh from a woman's point of view uh you know to to have you know more like i said more writers i don't think we're we are where we should be yet but um but at the same time you know do you feel that that's helpful to, to that hollywood is 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 becoming more of a uh you know female driven you know industry uh with with the storytelling piece of it and directing uh, as well
1: yeah i think that um it's definitely gotten better but you're right it is not anywhere near where it needs to be right. i've definitely seen firsthand the, um, just the hypocrisy that comes from, uh, saying that you want things to be a certain way and then not actually carrying it out. Mm. Um, you know, like, um, but that said, I feel like the freedom to find community and find other like-minded people is strong. Um, it's, it's a lot less, um, you feel a lot less alone um, trying to figure out how to do this. You definitely see examples and definitely have community. There's definitely communities Um, that doesn't make it any easier, uh, but it does help to sort of for you to cheer one another on. I, I do think that you hear this a lot, that entertainment, the entertainment industry is um, a marathon. It's not a sprint. And um, transitioning into my role behind the camera is definitely um, a completely different beast than being in front of it. And um, it's just something that um, takes a lot longer. It also feels a lot more personal and the bandwidth that i have as i get older but also just physically emotionally all of it is is just constantly changing and it's it's really interesting because i find myself at different times of my life especially as the world keeps changing um willing to do things sometimes and not willing to do them other times and it's a lot easier when you're an actor and someone literally just tells you what to do and you, and that's it. Like that is your job to be given direction and, and carry it out the best that your interpretation is, but to be the person who's thinking of how to take care of all of that. Sometimes life does not allow for that to be the situation. And um, I think had I been younger, had like the situations been different at a different time in my life, where there's less drama in my personal life, or, you know, other factors coming in, um I probably would have jumped in with a lot more gusto as I do now. So I think now is like a very interesting time because people, the same way young women have different images, that they're seeing to tell them what's right and wrong about their body or what they think and how they view themselves. That same thing is happening mentally. And so they're seeing completely different role models as I was seeing growing up. So, I mean, it's, it's really exciting Um, and, and really, really humbling also because they're, they're also my my colleagues and peers, people who are mm-hmm. much younger than me. Um, like I'm learning just so much from the TikTok generation, you know? It's <laughs> yeah, like it's nuts. A- it's so it's so crazy and so cool and I, I love it. It feels invigorating.
0: Hey, it's Dave from The Stage Door Show. Have you ever wanted a digital business card that would speak for you? Well, let me introduce you to Talking V Card. Imagine this. A business card that doesn't just sit in somebody's wallet, but actively introduces you, shares your latest work, or even a special message. That's what Talking V-Card is all about. It's modern, environmentally friendly, and has been an absolute game changer for networking in this digital age. Now here's the most exciting part. For a limited time, you can get lifetime ownership of your very own Talking V-Card for only $99. Plus, to ensure you're maximizing its potential, They're offering a free consultation to help supercharge your brand. As many of you know, Talking V-Card is a proud VIP sponsor of our show, and I've been using it personally. The feedback has been absolutely amazing. For everyone tuned in right now, if you're looking to make a lasting impression and elevate your brand, I genuinely recommend giving Talking V-Card a try. There's a unique link on our show notes that'll take you straight there. And remember, maybe the next voice somebody hears from a digital card will be yours. Stay creative and stay connected. Talking B card. Yeah. The I think, you know, I, I talk about social media a lot too because I think it's really changed the game when it comes to entertainment. Because when you know, and, and I, I get a lot of pushback on this this as well, but my thought is is that you know, we're becoming a TikTok um, society where, you know, you're scrolling through and you're watching maybe 30 second you know videos minute videos and then you scroll to the next one and it's it's almost you know kind of making us programming us to only watch these short little clips and to sit and watch a 2 hour movie it's it's um i find it challenging sometimes even for myself who grew up watching you know movies and and now i'm like you know if it doesn't hook me in in the first you know 10 15 minutes then i'll move on to something else and I really kind of blame <laughs> social media, you know, for that because of how it's kind of programmed my my brain to only watch short little, you know, clips. And I, do you find that to be, to be the case or?
1: Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. But I also find myself um almost like overstimulated when I watch certain movies. Like I went to see Spider-Man and I was almost like, the, into the Spider-Verse, the most recent one, right. I I 10 minutes in, I was like, this is too much. This is too good. The colors are too good. The animation's too good. The acting is too good. The music is too <laughs> good. The graphics are too good. Like, it was all happening so fast. Yeah. And I was like, and I, and I knew it was like a, I don't know, two and a half hour movie or something. And I right. looked at my yeah. watch and I was like, oh no, we still have two yeah. hours and 10 <laughs> minutes left of this. And yeah. I really needed to take a moment and br- do some deep breathing because right. I almost felt like it was too much. I don't know if that's, yeah. I don't know what that is, but but after I was able to just calm myself down and not get too caught up in it, I was able to relax. And then by the end of it, it like ended on a cliffhanger and I was like, what, what happened? <laughs> how did this time just fly by? Yeah. So like, it is, it is interesting because I do think there's just so many choices now it's like sitting in a diner opening a menu and just having everything there it's and um it's overwhelming yeah. sometimes <laughs> sometimes and but sometimes you want that sometimes that's right. really fun and you're totally in the mood for that but sometimes you want to go to that place that just has one menu <laughs> four things and they do it really well and and that's it and You know, I I think it's, there's a freedom to that. That's really amazing that we have. That's like, feels luxurious in a lot of ways. But um, in another, I, I don't know if it's because I know that there's another way life was another way once upon a time yeah. and uh <laughs> and i'm lo- longing and nostal- i'm nostalgic for it you know
0: yeah yeah no, I, I i'm with you on that you know because i i grew up 87 is when i graduated so right in the heart of you know the 80s and the music and uh, you know, just all that. And and I look back at those days and how great they were and we didn't have cell phones and social media. I think we, we barely even had electronic typewriters back then Um, but it was just an amazing time. And, you know, I, I just, you know, I think the generation that's coming up now that, that basically had all, all these luxuries when they were growing up, they'll never know what it's like to go out to, to the park with your friends and, and, be safe and play and you know play whatever ball we we're playing and and uh you know nowadays it's just a, it's a different world <laughs> so it but, is a um, different world yeah but I know that you've had recurring roles in, in Shameless all my children Gray's anatomy, uh out of all the roles that you've played I mean what was the most challenging role that you played whether it was film or TV or uh you know stage you know what was your most challenging role
1: you know it's so funny as I'm thinking about because uh, all my children was probably my first recurring role, and Grey's Anatomy was my last one, and they were both so challenging in different ways. I remember, I think what ties them together is this idea that I've uh, that I've been working on lately of like letting go of, which is, I think. Most actors can relate to this. Most artists, most people can relate to this, this feeling of like, when you book something huge, and you think this is it, you know, yeah. and there's that, there's that pressure that and this hope, and it's super exciting, because, you know, it's a big deal, and it is a big deal. And, it's wondering can i rise to this occasion and what is this going to do and will i pa- will i fail will i pass like all of these feelings and it's it's really like a rush but it's also so difficult to yeah. um to process that and so i i definitely felt that with all my children because at the time i was dealing with my body image stuff so it was definitely like How do I look as skinny as all the other people and know my lines every single day because the lines change so quickly and there's so many of them. Um, Whereas like, you know, several decades later, booking Grey's Anatomy and um, also not not having the body image stuff at all anymore. But yeah. then again, being like, "Oh my god, these lines are medical jargon. I've never like, I can't even look at blood. Like, now I'm yeah, gonna right. have to like do surgery day one." And yeah. um, it was, um, it's a, a different type of pressure. But at the same time, it was, I think, this feeling of like, um, "Oh my god, this could be something. This could, this could be it." And I and and in the last, I'd say, two years, I've really come to terms with this idea of like, what is it? Yeah. What is it? Because I've had a lot of really, really great moments in my career, really stellar things that have happened. And I've watched a lot of my colleagues and friends become superstars, like huge, huge, huge stars. Right. And and I've watched other people, I, I don't mean to get dark, but I, I've watched people- really fail.
0: Yeah.
1: In big big ways.
0: Yeah.
1: And um they're not different people.
0: Yeah.
1: They yeah. really aren't. And it's not like someone having a job because I know some really big the people who've had huge jobs that um also have failed, you know, in their hearts. So oh, this is all to say that um I'm it's not that I'm trying to erase that pressure because I don't know if that's possible, but I've been trying to talk to myself differently and to accept that each each win, each moment um is a moment that is cause for celebration when I'm able to overcome certain challenges. And um at the end of the day, it's a job. It yeah. is a job. And, um, It doesn't define who I am, and it doesn't define how I interact with anyone, whether it's somebody who I'm talking with at the grocery store, who has never seen me in anything, or if I'm talking with someone like you who's interviewing me, who does know my resume, or I'm just talking with my husband or my dog, you know, like, I'm still the same person. And so remembering that has been really important to me, um, because I feel like the challenge comes from trying to live up to this expectation that I i found in my four decades of doing this is not really ever going to be satisfied.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and st- just like you said, staying grounded I think is one of the most important things that I hear from almost everybody that's ever been in any, any kind of, you know, TV work film on a stage and know to stay grounded and to stay who you are no matter what you know because i think it's a series of successes you know uh you know to be a successful actor doesn't mean that you've been in a million big things it could be one big thing that you've always had your your eye on you know or maybe uh you know just be able to sing when you couldn't sing before maybe you know i think success is what you make of it yourself and i think it's a very personal thing uh but i just you know whenever i interview uh grounded people like you it's it just it just it gives me hope for society as a whole that uh you know the people just because they're on tv doesn't mean they have a huge ego it means that they just have another job to do and and they're doing their job just like you know the nine to five that i work or my wife works or or whatever it's you're still you know you're a human being and you just have a different job title and and it's just it's a it's refreshing to hear to hear those kind of answers. So I appreciate that just as a, you know, as a person who's, who does interviews, it's just, uh, you know, you're grounded that's, that's a, that's an amazing, you know, for, for me to interview somebody like that. So thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, and then the other thing is, you know, d- d- besides being everything else, you know, you're also, um, you know, the, the writing, the, the writing, these, these newsletters, cause I want to um, point everybody to your, your website, uh, because it's, um, it's it's amazing because you have you have a lot of different things other than just the actors' diet, you know podcast. you also have Gen X taste um which is a, a beauty fashion and lifestyle blog and you do for for women over 40 uh, the yellow pages um uh so you know're talking about um Asian films and and music writing and other inspirations so. You know, talk about that, you know, is I I think you really enjoy writing. So talk about what our listeners can go to your website and see all these great newsletters that you do and kind of get immersed in some of these different things that you have going on there. It's great.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I feel like I sometimes just do way too much. Like literally, today I launched a new podcast for the Yellow Pages with Michael Sun Lee, one of your past guests, um, who introduced us. And I feel like all of these things come about very organically and naturally. They don't come about because I'm thinking, "Ooh, now I'm going to be a successful podcaster." (laughs) I mean, you know, it's it's or or if I have a newsletter, I'll monetize. And even with my um, even with my Gen X Taste, which is a beauty and lifestyle blog, and I do get like a lot of free makeup and skincare sent to me. It's never been something where I'm like. How do I turn this into profit? Right. Because, and, and that's not to say that I haven't had those ambitions in the past with other endeavors. I just know myself well enough that um, doing it for that reason, trying to amp up my SEO or, you know, <laughs> trying to like figure out some way to, I'm, I'm not a business person. I know that about myself. So um for me it's a it's a way to to artistically connect with myself and with my audience and talk about things that i'm genuinely passionate about but uh, to be completely honest the reason i started all of these things is because i have stories and passions that i want to tell and i'm not giving i'm not being given permission to do them i spent most of the pandemic writing pitching um, shows with very prestigious people behind them, um, basically working for free and um, not having anything come from it, and it all had to be done so silently, so secretively. And I just felt like the the payoff for those things, obviously, if you win, it's a big win, right? It's a life changing win. But for me, I need to have smaller wins in my everyday life. Otherwise it feels very empty to me. And for me, I I don't mind um, putting out a newsletter that a handful of people see um, because I need to know that as a storyteller, I'm not doing it to try to, I don't know, gain some sort of number. I used to do videos for Buzzfeed with my husband where literally we'd put out a video and the next day, a million people had seen it. Wow. And I would, I would get stopped uh, no. <laughs> around the streets of LA of people being like, I just was just watching you eat a sandwich. Like, and, and that was exciting of course, and really like funny yeah. and cool. But I went from that to like literally putting out a YouTube video and 70 people maybe see it. Right, and I just had to really check my ego, you know, like of like, listen. The first movie I ever did went to South by Southwest. You don't see auteurs and indie filmmakers going to make a skincare video on YouTube <laughs> after they this they've accomplished something like that, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. Like that's like that's like what what are you doing? But yeah. for me, honestly, the reason I do it is because I have something to say. And I don't want to, I don't want the reason I'm not saying it is because I feel ashamed that there's not, that the algorithm isn't allowing it to happen or that, uh, that like whatever connection I need to reach a larger audience isn't having that. Um, If I can do that and if it brings me joy, then how much greater is it going to feel when I hit that million?
0: Right.
1: If I ever hit that million again, I know what that feels like already. Doesn't yeah. really change my uh, everyday life,
0: so. Isn't it, funny, isn't it funny though when you walk around LA and somebody re- recognizes you from their phone or from yeah uh, <laughs> you know, from bus I mean, we did
1: so many Disney videos that um still to this day, if you look up like Disney foods, my face will show up, and I'm wearing these little mini ears in them, oh, okay. right? So yeah. when I go to Disney and I wear mini ears people will still stop me but if i take the ears off no one knows who you got to have the
0: ears on yeah it
1: is hilarious
0: yeah my my son works at disney and and he he's for the last 10 years has worked there but he's he's a disney fanatic and and uh he, he knows every he knows who voiced over like the most obscure character and whatever film and, and is just you know he's a huge disney guy so and he's a foodie too and and so he'll he'll post a lot of reviews on on the on the uh the restaurants at Disneyland, Disney World, and everywhere else he goes. So it's uh, it's kind of fun to watch some of the stuff that he puts on there.
1: I bet I would love to see his stuff. I oh, love yeah, that for stuff. Sure. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, the, the other thing I wanted to ask you, I mean, for everything that you've done, I mean, is there one thing that you look back in your career and, and this makes you smile? That what's the one thing that that you look back on and say, "Wow, that was so cool." I'd
1: say it was the very first thing I ever did that was that made a splash which was saving face it was my first feature film that i ever did yep. and yeah i i it was the first of a lot of things for me and and i will say that that was a moment when i was like this is it and it wasn't it right away sure. but the slow burn that has happened over the last gosh 20 years has been so unbelievable the fact that people still like love this movie and every year a new generation sees it yeah. and adores it and um we still sell out movies and i have a unbreakable bond with my co-star michelle kruzik that i will have for the rest of my life i just feel so lucky that yeah. i have that like if anything else i have helped So many lesbians come out to their mothers and, and, and I just know it just means so much to people. And that just, it makes me so happy because as I said, you know, I played a lesbian ballet dancer in that. And on the one hand, I had a lot of people who I helped with their coming out story, but at the same time, that was the beginning of my eating disorder you know and so it represents this challenge in my life that i had to overcome that also was so helpful and it just reminds me of this dichotomy of like you can have both you can be yeah. like sad and you can be happy and they're both happening at the same time and that's okay
0: yeah. And everybody goes through it as well. And, you know, so yeah, saving face, what a, what an amazing film. Uh, like you've been in so many, so many things, but again, you know, that, that was such a breakout uh, role for you and, and just uh, an amazing piece of work and award winning as well. So, um, you know, kudos to you and the whole team on that. Cause that was just an amazing piece of work. Um, you know, the, the other thing is, you know, we have a lot of, of uh, people who who watch the show and listen to the show That again, are are artists themselves. And, you know, I always ask um, my interview of, you know, what, what kind of advice can you, can you give somebody just starting out like somebody, like I said, just maybe, maybe looking for a college to uh, looking for a theater program or, or somebody that, that maybe wants to get into um, TV, film, film work. And, you know, they're just at the very beginning and they don't have anybody around them. (laughs) Uh, So I guess what's your biggest piece of advice to somebody like that, that just to, I mean. You know, that that would stick with them.
1: I think my advice would be to try, at least try and do the thing that you want to be doing. There's so many people who are like, I want to be an actor. And they've never acted. You need to to get on a set and know what it feels like to sit and wait in makeup (laughs) for 12 hours hours and then not even be on camera and then do it again. And yeah. again, and again, and you have to know what that feels like and know whether or not that's something you want to continue to do um, because there's, there's a lot, any job, any job has its crap, right? right? So so you have to know that you enjoy the crap, not enjoy the crap, but that you enjoy it enough that you can put up with the crap, right? right? <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day. Otherwise, what is the point? Like, if you don't even like being on set and and if, like, acting breaks you out into a cold sweat, which it will, <laughs> which it will, but if you can't <laughs> push past that and get to a point eventually, which takes time and experience, um, to, to eventually figure out, oh, we can have a relationship or not, um, you just need to try that. And just because... One thing doesn't work out for you doesn't mean that another form of that taste, that a similar type of storytelling might not work out for you. You know, like I, for a long time, was food hosting and I had no idea that talking to a camera about food was something that I was not only good at, but like very passionate about. And I don't think I ever would have felt comfortable with that had I not stepped out of my comfort zone and done that. And, um, yeah, I just think that there's like a lot of um there's a lot of opportunity these days. It's really exciting and I I if I could get to the point earlier on to not care about what people think, which is a really hard thing to get yeah. place to get to. Um yeah. earlier on, I think I would have probably been able to be a little more, I'm pretty prolific, but even more prolific, um, in a way that might've helped grow my garden a little faster or a little Mm -hmm. longer. Um, but this was my path and the technology wasn't quite there. And I wasn't quite there when it was there, when, when it was that time, but it's happening now. There's just so much that you can do and it's, it's actually like, I'm always overwhelmed when I hear just how many amazing musicians are out there recording in their bedrooms, like, yeah. like amazing songs. And I'm like, who is this person? And they're a teenager in, in like New Jersey, in yeah. the bedroom. <laughs> and it is just, it blows my mind that that is the case because when I was young, it was literally a, a tape recorder. And yeah, that right. was not happening. That unless was not happening
0: a, unless you had a deal, right? Uh, like right. Deal. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, that's that's great advice, and I and I know that um, that definitely goes a long way with uh, with my listeners. And I always end with this question, uh, Lynn. And that's when it's all said and done. Uh, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want people to think of when they think of Lynn Chen?
1: I feel like a lot of the stories i tell both on camera and off are about pain about struggle about grief about the hard things about the boring things things that are not sexy that don't sell you know that are not exciting and are are difficult and i would like for my legacy to be that I was able to help people feel their pain and have it not be something that they needed to get over or overcome, but to embrace and accept and to allow it to morph into something beautiful. Because everything I've ever created Everything, the podcast, my movie, um, Gen X Taste, it has all come from a place of struggle and pain and grief that I've turned into something that I know will bring joy to people. And that's what I want people to think of when they think of me.
0: It's amazing. It's very powerful, too. And thank you for that. And uh, just thank you for all the amazing work that you've done. Over the years and we can't wait to see what's uh, what's down the road here hopefully this strike uh, ends sooner than later with the writers and the actors and you know um, and everybody gets uh, you know with what they're asking for and what they want um, but you know I just want to let everybody know again Lynchen.com uh, lynnche com you gotta go check her, her website out it's actually A renowned website a lot of people (laughs) a lot of people um love going to your website and and a lot of great reviews on your website as well there's a lot of great things to look at so everybody please go to lynn's uh, website check it out um and again you know uh lynn just thank you so much for taking the time to be on the on the show tonight and um best of luck to you in your future and and you're always welcome back
1: thanks dave you too